Well, hey, thanks for joining us uh, here this morning. Thanks for joining us online. Uh, if this is your first time with us, my name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at MCC, and this is Eric, who is our student pastor extraordinaire. <laughs> and uh, if, you have, if you're a middle school or high school student, or you have a high school middle school student who have not yet checked out our student ministry Man, you need to do that Absolutely. now. So, uh, because there's a, a retreat is coming, right? Winter yeah. Week. So winter weekend is coming yeah. up. That's March third and fourth. It's the first weekend of March. This is our biggest winter weekend ever. We have 48 students. That's incredible. Signed up right now. We are excited. There's still time yeah. for. Thank you. Yeah, like it's awesome. Our kids are hungry to know Jesus, and winter weekend is a great opportunity for them to be uh, here to learn about Him. So if you haven't signed your kid up yet, there's still time. Today's the last day to sign up. And to make sure they get a sweatshirt at the event. Okay, today we get a sweatshirt. Yes. Tomorrow, no sweatshirt. No sweatshirt. All right. Like That's no the deal right you know? there. That's exactly right. <laughs> hey, we're in this series that we're calling Real, and it's about relationships. And so when we first started planning this and talking about it, I wanted to call it Relationships. I know. That's what Eric did and threw up a little bit. And so we had to change the name uh, to the, yeah, to Real. Yeah, so the Bible does say a lot about relationships, though, and it's a good thing that it does, because it's a pretty universal understanding that mm -hmm. our relationships are tricky. In fact, the closer we get to somebody relationally, the more complicated that relationship becomes, the more complexity the emotions are. So that's why, yeah. like, between husbands and wives, parents and children, brothers and sisters, and even best friends, those relationships are full of great joy, but also great sorrow. They're full of great peace, but also great conflict. They're full of equal parts love for one another, but also frustrations at each other. The closer we get in our relationships, the messier they become. Yeah, for sure. And so, uh, you know, the question becomes, why do some relationships succeed while others fail? And what is it that you can do uh, to prevent your relationship from going bad? So you may be in a romantic relationship right now, or... Or you may wish you were in a romantic relationship right now. Or maybe, maybe you're not dating someone, but you want to date somebody. And God wants to guide you in, in that. Or you may wonder what God has to say about the relationship that you're in right now. Or, or you may be wondering, what is it? how does what God says about how to do relationships, specifically dating uh, in this case, how does what God says about relationships, how does that compare or contrast with what our culture is saying? So today we're talking about dating. And uh, listen, I just a uh, moment of transparency. I wasn't allowed to date until I was 16 years old, but I did sneak a date when I was 12. You okay. rebel. I know. And uh, it wasn't much of a date. There was a girl in junior high that I met at the movie theater, uh, unbeknownst to my parents, not unbeknownst to my twin brother and our next door neighbor, uh, who were also <laughs> at the movie theater with us, which... Uh, honestly, just ruined it. Mark, if you're about, you ruined it, man. You ruined the date. <laughs> oh, man. So my first girlfriend, well, if you can even call her that, uh, yes, air quotes, was in 2007. I was in the sixth grade. She was the daughter of a family friend of my parents. Uh, we were in the same grade, but different parts of Kettering Middle School. So we only talked like once every two weeks. That sometimes helps sixth grade relationships. <laughs> you know, it probably does. Yeah. And then after that, I really didn't date in high school. And I went on a couple dates in college. Nice. Yeah. So Sandy and I met in college. Uh, and uh, it was during the first week of our... <laughs> I, I feel the need to point out that is me uh, next to Sandy. I know you recognize so much her. There. I know it's... <laughs> I got so tired of it. Listen, I knew uh, immediately that I wanted to, uh, to start. I knew I wanted to get to know her, so I started immediately to weasel my way 
into her life. And some of you have heard her say, you know, that she lived on the first floor of her dorm, and so I would go up to her window on the first floor, and I would knock on her window, and I would have a roll of sweet tarts with me, and I would say, we'd like a sweet tart, sweet tart, which, uh, it worked. It worked, man. So, and it's available. It is available still as a move today, guys, if you're no looking for one. Right. Um, and my hope was, you know, that if she heard me say, call her sweetheart enough, that she would actually believe that she was my sweetheart. That was, that was my hope. And I'm proud to say, still dating today, uh, Sandy only, to be uh, incredibly clear. Uh, a few years ago for Christmas, uh, one of the gifts I gave her was, I gave her gift uh, gifts cards for dates okay but and but not like a, you know a thing i made i actually went to the restaurants and i went to that place where you uh can paint yeah and i you know and i went and got tickets for an osu game because i want to get the stuff that she likes you know <laughs> she likes to do so oh yeah. man yeah so after college that's when i met sam because i turned to the world of dating apps mm -hmm. which in the late 2010s early 2020s that we're in now that's how a majority of young people met their significant other, and that's how Sam and I met. Yeah, I, you know, I believe that because of, of more of the marriages I do today, more of the weddings, mm -hmm. are people who have met online. So I'm just curious, how many of you all have been on a dating app? You've used a dating app. I'm just curious. Okay, yeah, a few people curious. in the room. All right, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so we met on a Christian dating app where Sam, I, I love to point this out, she didn't just swipe right on me, she super liked me to make sure she was, I knew that she was interested. Super liked. Yeah. yeah, we'll confirm that. Uh, so <laughs> one of the reasons, right, one of the reasons we're teaching this this morning is that Eric reminded me that uh, when we started talking about dating, I said, well, I, you know, I'll talk about that. He goes, well, you know, you started dating uh, in the 20th century, and I started dating in the 21st century. I was a little offended by that. Uh, uh, the only thing that kept me from being real offended was it was true. Um, so a couple of years ago, we were getting ready to do a series on relationships, and a couple of the guys said, we should call it Swipe Right. And I thought, I said, swipe right. Why would we call it swipe? What's that got to do with dating? <laughs> so any of you who are wondering, what does swipe right have to do with dating? You started dating in the 20th century, right? <laughs> A lot of things have changed in the last century uh, about dating. So... Um, uh, to Eric's point, uh, a lot has changed, but what the Bible says about dating has not. So do you want to know what the Bible says? Because we put it all up on one slide. Check this out. Everything on one slide about what the Bible says about dating. The Bible doesn't say anything about dating. <laughs> you know why it doesn't say anything about dating? Because they didn't date. Back in the day, it was all arranged marriages. That was the norm back then. And so just so we're all on the same page, we all understand, it's in the notes on the YouVersion Bible app, an arranged marriage is a marriage planned and agreed by the families or guardians of the couple rather than by the couple themselves. They still happen today. I have friends who live in India. 90% of all marriages in India are arranged marriages. One source said that half of all marriages in the world today are still arranged. Yeah, and so this concept of dating in the terms of human history is actually still a fairly new idea. It's only about 120 years old. Yeah. It was actually a word that began as a euphemism, which meant to exchange sexual favors for an experience, which, if we're being honest, may not be too far off from how our culture still views dating today. And since culture has shaped the idea of dating that we have today, two people going off to court one another and, and do the things that they do, it might be time for us, the church, and as followers of Jesus to begin to figure out what's it look like to redeem it and to understand it from a disciple perspective. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, a moment ago I said that the Bible doesn't say anything about dating, doesn't talk about dating. It does say a lot about dating. 
God uh, talks about the relationships in our life, specifically marriage. Uh, and the reason we apply that then to dating is because in this room, and most likely online, almost everyone who's here or is listening, you're not going to marry someone you don't date first. I think that's a fair statement to make. Uh, and so for us this morning, really what we're talking about is, our hope is you'll begin as friends, and then you'll date, and then you'll marry. That's the plan. Yeah, right? absolutely. And marriage is its definitely the key part there, because in our culture today, especially dating culture, it's the norm to seek after physical gratification, companionship, or even just a date because you're bored. And if you're a girl, you might as well get a free meal out of it. That's like crazy sexist, man. Hey, a uh, woman said that to me one time, and I married that girl, so. Yeah, we'll, we'll confirm that too, okay? Yeah. But hey, this morning we're going to be diving into three specific questions about dating, questions that we believe are crucial to ask as we're looking at dating from the perspective of a disciple of Jesus. Because I believe followers of Jesus don't have to, as was said in the church a long time ago, kiss dating goodbye, right? Like, we don't need to do that. No, we actually need to bring the radical redemption of Jesus yeah. into this process. And we start by asking the question, why? Mm -hmm. Why do we date? And if we're looking at that question from a cultural perspective, it would just simply be to date for the joy of it or to get what I want out of it. However, God never designed any of our relationships just for the joy of it and just to get something out of it. No, he designed each and every one of our relationships for a purpose, especially our dating relationships. Yeah. So, yeah, and part of it is that, but that we recognize that the dating, what we want to do is do that in such a way that it honors Jesus mm -hmm. because that prepares us well for a marriage that honors Jesus. If you date in a way that honors Jesus, you'll be better prepared for a marriage that honors Jesus. So. Absolutely. And so why do, or why do we date then? We date so that we can get married, yeah. but also to fulfill God's command and to honor him and to be fruitful and multiply the earth. Right. So fruitful, multiply the earth, right? That's in context of marriage. So we're just going to stop for a moment because while that's correct about marriage, that's mm -hmm. part of the relationship that when God talks about it, it is in the bounds of marriage, specifically limited by God to marriage. What God has told us is that he blesses the sexual union between a husband and a wife. And in today's culture, just to be clear, biological male, biological female. So you can draw a circle around that, and inside the circle is blessed by God. Anything outside the circle, anything outside the circle, anything is not. And that includes dating, even even if you think to yourself, but I'm going to marry this person. Even if you think that, God has kept this within the bounds of marriage. Please do not, and this is so important, please don't ask God to honor a relationship where you're dishonoring what he has told you explicitly not to do. Does that, does that make sense? Uh, th so when we talk about the why of dating, uh, if dating is to prepare us for marriage, we have to acknowledge that there's a little bit more to that why as well. And part of that why is companionship. So it goes all the way back to Genesis, first book of the Bible. And we're told in chapter two that that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Now we highlighted that is why because it's referring to something up above. And so we have to go back to verse 18 to see what that's referring to. And in verse 18, God said it's not good for the man to be alone. So I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. 
Now, obviously, in verse 24, what he's saying is applying to, right, the physical relationship, the physical union. We're talking about sex between a husband and a wife in marriage. But in the opinion of many who study scripture, it actually goes beyond the sexual union to an even deeper union in marriage of mind and body and soul when, that he's talking about becoming one. It's companionship. It's intimacy in its purest, truest, most spiritual form. Uh, and it overflows into the soul relationship, which, which can begin being developed, by the way, in dating, right? The connecting of souls can begin, actually does begin in dating. But in marriage, it is expressed uh, and symbolized in the body relationship. Dr. James Dobson, again, in your notes, said this, marriage is achieving complete intimacy, the heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul communication where needs are met. But I don't know if you've ever wondered, why is it? I mean, what, why is it that some people who are married 10 years, 15, 20, 30 years, why after being married for so long, being together for so long, why do they get divorced? Can I say that because for some, it's because they built a house, but they didn't ho- uh, build a home. They raised children, but they didn't raise a family. They worked on their lives together, but they didn't work on their life together. And after investing everything in raising their children or their careers or their interests, they realize they didn't invest in their relationships, and it's almost as if they don't know each other anymore. So Mary Alda said, Alda said this, it's in the notes, very easy to leave your spouse, very difficult to leave your best friend. I say all of that because I want to make sure you get God's intention in marriage was never for you to merely have a spouse, mm-hmm. never merely for you to have a sexual partner, never merely for you to have someone to raise children with. God's purpose for you in marriage is companionship, one person. For the rest of your life, that's the dream, that's the model, that's the goal. Absolutely. And so we date, right, in this idea that God has set up to show the world what it means to be an imitation of Christ and the church. To show them how two people can come together and sacrifice for one another just like Christ and how that is an incredibly beautiful thing. Ephesians 5, 22-27 puts it this way. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is, is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit in the everything, <coughs> excuse me, to their husbands. Now, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Right. And so this, I, I'm wondering, I'm curious uh, how many of us are familiar with that passage because Paul goes back and forth, husband's wife, husband's wife, husband's wife. Uh, and then he gets to the end of the chapter, and I think it's really, by the way, that, and that's, please, I'm not rushing through that because that's not important. It's huge stuff. But what's interesting to me is we get to the bottom of that. We're so yeah. familiar with the part about husbands and wives. And when you get to the bottom, what he says in chapter five, he writes this. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ. And the church. So all of this about husbands and wives as opposed to our relationship is to mirror our relationship with him in some way. And then he says, however, each of you must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. So here's the reminder of all of this and why we date in such a way that we honor Jesus. It's in the notes. It's because the most important relationship in your life is your relationship with Jesus. Uh, and, uh, and I tell couples that I do premarital counseling with, I actually just did counseling with someone this week, a couple this week, and told them this very same thing, the most important relationship in your marriage. So if you're married right now, this is about you. If you're dating right now, this is about you. 
The most important relationship in your life is not the person you're dating or the person you're married to. The most important relationship in your life is still your relationship with Jesus because that relationship, your relationship with him, calls the shots in every other relationship that you have. Absolutely. So we've answered this question, why? But now you have to take it a step further as a follower of Jesus. And once we understand why we date, we must then ask ourselves, who do we date? Because culture would tell us we should date whoever we want, whenever we want. But scripture is very clear that that's not the best way to go about things. We should date a follower of Jesus because as a follower of Jesus, who we date matters. I love the way 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 15 puts it. It says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with the all? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? In this passage, Paul is talking about Christians partnering with those who worship false gods or idols, but this principle is vitally true to every other relationship in our life. If we partner with those who are not chasing after Jesus, in the end, it will hurt us. Yeah, so the Bible's talking about two people who come together who are not chasing. They may be heading in a similar direction, but they're sharing life without sharing the values of putting God first. In the Old Testament, Proverbs 27 says, what a man is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. Listen, you're going to be most like the people you spend the most time with. So if you're, so we can take about your friends, but your friends, who you're dating, who you're married to, listen, if your friends, the person you're dating loves God deeply, chances are good that your relationship with God will begin to improve as well because the person you're hanging around has the most influence in your life. If your friends or the person you're dating or is married to takes God lightly, you're more likely to become a casual Believer. It doesn't mean you have to. It just means that it's likely that you could. That's why Christians are told not to marry. And I would add, don't date. Do not date a non-Christian. Let God be first in all of your relationships. This is in the notes. I wanted to take this home. I want this sentence to haunt you. Let Christ be first in all of your relationships, not because we're better than hmm. other people, but because we're different than other people. Not because we're better. It's because we're different. So here's the reminder, don't date someone who's not a follower of Jesus. And again, because you're probably not, most likely, real high percentage, you're not going to marry someone you don't date. Yeah, yeah. And so the people we hang around will have the greatest influence and the greatest impact on our life. Therefore, if we date somebody who isn't chasing after Jesus with all of they have, then it's going to impact us. And I say that knowing that there are people in this room or there are people who are watching online right now who might be in a situation where their relationship is unequally yoked. And if you're in that dating relationship, you have some hard questions that you need to begin to wrestle with. Yeah. You have a choice to make. Yeah, uh, and, and we, we know that, number one, because we see it around us, right? If you know people who are in that kind of relationship, you've watched it play out, mm-hmm. but we see it in scripture. When Peter would write to the church, he says this in 1 Peter 3, wives in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. You know what can make marriage messy right off the bat, right? Listen, Peter is not writing to Christian couples, at least not all of them were. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, Peter is writing to uh, address an issue that arose as Christianity spread across North Asia Minor, which is where this letter was sent. And as people became Christians, They didn't do it as couples. 
And it caused problems in the first century just like it does in the 21st century. And this is actually a question our panel will hit next week, and so we want to make sure we give them. But I remember talking to a young lady who was getting ready to marry someone from an, a whole other culture, different nationality, and God was not part of their religious equation. And, and I said to her, you know, you know what the Bible says, that it says not to marry someone who's not a follower of Christ. And she says, it does not say that. And so then I showed her what Paul said that you looked at just a little bit ago. And she said, but I loved him. And I said, I get that, because God never said you couldn't love someone who doesn't follow him. He just said it's dangerous to fall in love with someone who's not following him. It's an eternally risky, eternally risky path to walk, because maybe you'll pull them along, but you might not. So this is kind of a side note. If you're not yet married, I hope you'll listen up. This may have something to do with living on mission right now. You can avoid some messes, and you can lessen others uh, only dating someone who loves Jesus. Uh, by dating so only someone, by only dating people who love Jesus. Which, by the way, please don't hear me say perfect. Don't hear me say everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Don't hear me say the path is always going to be straight and smooth and everything will be wonderful all the time, because it won't be. But there's some messes, right? And it's not, not find someone who goes to church. Find someone who's following Jesus. Being a church ups the likelihood they're following Jesus, but you want to watch their life. Someone has said this, it's in the notes, I want to make sure you get this. If you're a child of God and you have a relationship with the child of the devil, it won't be long before you start having serious problems with your father-in-law, right? So we just need to be mindful of that as we think through this. Absolutely. And as we were processing through this message, uh, we took a moment, we wanted to take a second just to pause and acknowledge that there are married couples here within our church who are potentially watching online right now. Yeah who are struggling with this very concept because one of them came to know Jesus after they got married. I know I, in the past few months, have had conversations with several people who that's their story. And if you're in that marriage relationship right now, we want to pause and we want to let you know that we're not saying get divorced, we're not saying break up with right. that spouse or anything like that. What we are saying, though, is that if someone can have an impact or influence on us, we too, as disciples of Jesus, get to have an impact on somebody else. And I think no better story represents an encouragement for you than the story of my father. Mm -hmm. You see, my father came to church after the rest of my family. He was the last person in my family to finally show up at this church. But my mom, who started following Jesus before him, was praying for him, loving him, and inviting him constantly. And eventually, after all of us siblings started coming to church, my dad, because he wanted to be with his family, showed up here. And he showed up here and he learned what it meant to follow Jesus. He served in teams at this church and he even had Jesus worship at his funeral because he fell in love with him so much. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I remember all of that. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, so there is hope. Um, now, we've talked about why we date. So in other words, we date in a way to, we practice honoring Jesus in that relationship so that we can be good at honoring Jesus in our marriage relationship. That's why, and companionship. And, and who do we date? We date followers of Jesus. But really, the, the, the last question we just want to talk about is how do we date? Because that also matters. Absolutely. And as disciples of Jesus, we can't date like the rest of the world. Right. We can't fall prey to hookup culture and doing whatever we want with whoever we want. No, we must seek to build God-honoring relationships with whoever we date so that even if it doesn't work out, God is still honored and glorified in the way we approach dating. 
right? And we've already talked about this. God is a God of relationships. Mm. So he's incredibly invested in your relationships with people. It's, listen, when Jesus talked about what's the great, remember someone asked him, what's the greatest commandment? Do you remember what it was? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind. Uh, and, and our, listen, our faith is about a relationship with him. It's not merely about religion. It's about this relationship. Rich, Rich Ashley said this. Rick Ashley said this. It's in the notes. You can't build a life that lasts on things that don't. Hmm. You can't build a life that lasts on things that don't. Proverbs 3 reminds us, in everything you do, put God first. Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will fall into place. Listen, we're, when we're making decisions about how we're going to live our life, why do we need to make sure that we get this relationship with God and we just make sure that we keep him first? Because when we give God the highest priority uh, in our life as an individual, whether you're dating or not, or as a dating couple, or as a married family, all these other, all these other things begin to fall into place. But when you take him out of the first place, everything else gets jumbled around mm. with that. So let me ask, if you're not a Christian, I think this is a fair question to ask you to consider through. It's in the notes. I actually wanted to take this home. I, I hope it will haunt you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want this to haunt you. Is there anyone better to lay the foundation for your life than the one who laid the foundation for the world? Is there anyone better to lay the foundation of your life than the one who laid the foundation of the world? Here's the thing. When you make him Lord of your life, he's also the Lord of all your other relationships. There is no space that's out of bounds for him. So friendships, marriage, kids, and this morning specifically, dating relationships. Absolutely. And when we don't date the way God has called us to date as disciples of Jesus, it leads to a world of hurt. I, I'm reminded of a story a few years ago where I met up with an old friend for coffee who was just going through an incredibly rough time because her and her boyfriend of a long time had just broken up. And I mean, this poor girl was distraught, mainly because this couple had done everything a married couple would do. They had animals together. They had a house together. They combined their finances. But one day, the guy decided he no longer wanted to be in that relationship. And so he waited for the lease to be up, broke up with my friend, and moved across the country for another job. And while, yes, that guy's a jerk, and it wasn't cool what he did at all, this story tells us and reminds us the kind of heartbreak that we can experience as followers of Jesus if we date and we do things outside of the covenantal relationship of marriage with people who aren't chasing after Jesus together. Yeah. Uh, and so here's the reminder, and it's in the notes. I wanted to have this. The person you date will impact who you are and who you're becoming who you are and who you're becoming, even if you don't marry them. And so we need to recognize that. So following Jesus is important to you. Really, the first question is, is the person that you're dating, are they helping you grow closer to Jesus or are they pulling you farther away from him? Are they helping or are they hurting? Listen, our enemy, this is in the notes, check this out when you get home, share it with a friend. Our enemy doesn't have to get us to not make Jesus a priority in our life, just one of a hundred. He doesn't have to get us to not make Jesus a priority. He just has to keep us from making Jesus the priority, the top priority, the most important, the one in which everything else falls under the direction of, which reminds us there are only two ways in life. There's one that follows Jesus, and there's one that doesn't. Mm -hmm. Jesus said this, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many, many enter through it, but small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life, and only few find it. So let me say this as politely blunt and easily understood as I possibly can. There are a lot of ways to get to hell. 
There's a lot of ways to get to hell. There's one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus. Absolutely. By the way, everything that's not through Jesus isn't leading. It may sound good. It may look promising. You may wish it were true. If it's not Jesus, it's not headed to heaven. And if heaven is where you're wanting to head, then you need to follow him because every other way, every, every other way leads to hell. Quite naturally, we would come, you know, in talking about this, we come to a time of communion because our time of communion is uh, a help, a help to re- for us to remember that Jesus died for us so that we can live for him. And I know that, you know, you've seen that, it seems a little cheesy, but it's reality. He died for us so we can live for him, and all of our relationships belong to him, just like we do. So here's the thing. If you've been sitting here this morning getting a little uncomfortable because you've been unfaithful in one of your relationships, now's the time. Come clean. You you don't have to come forward. We're not asking. What we want you to do is as we take communion this morning, as we remember who Jesus is in our life, talk to him about that. Confess your sin to him. Let him know that he, you, you blew it in that area. You will not do that again because you want him to be the Lord of all of your life, not just 99% of it. Because 99% lordship is 1% short. You want him to be Lord of all of your life. And all of us who call ourselves followers, all of us who are disciples of Jesus, this is a remembrance. It's the day we made that decision to give our lives to him and to follow him. And so we remember. So we'll walk through that together. I'll pray and then we'll walk through that together. God, thanks for this moment where we get to stop and be reminded of who you are in our life or who we said we wanted you to be. And we have a moment to check the reality of that. Are we actually living that out in all areas of our lives? So help us, God. We want to be faithful. So just, we're going to take a moment now if there's anything, whatever you need to talk to God about whether it's a dating relationship or other areas of your life where you have succeeded or failed in following him, where you've honored or dishonored him by the way you're living right now. Now's a chance to talk to him about that. Father, help us remember we belong to you. And you don't provide us with just a good way to live our life. You provide us with the best way. That which honors you. That which follows Jesus. Thank you for recognizing we're not always going to get that right. And providing a means of forgiveness for us. And this morning we come before you to remember together that we have claimed Jesus as king of our life. So be honored in this moment. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. And so we take the wafer that reminds us of Jesus' body that was broken for us, or given for us on the cross, that we might give our lives back to him, receive his forgiveness, and follow his leadership in our life. And so we remember. that reminds us of his blood that was shed for us that he might cover all areas of our lives all of it and so we recommit ourselves back to him in this moment 
Father, may this simple act be a reminder of what you have said to us in your word about how we live our lives as followers of your son. And Jesus, may you be the center of all of our relationships, specifically this morning, our dating relationships, so that we might might do that in a way that shows others that we really do belong to you. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen.